so good welcome everybody to episode 89 of the metal cell podcast thank you all for joining me on this great show that i have lined up for you today and as usual i open the show with an absolute rager of a track and that is from back in they have been on the go since 2011 would you believe and they're a classic heavy metal band hailing from northern ireland the five piece described their sound as combining the visceral edge of early trash metal with melodic sensibilities of german power metal and new wave of british heavy metal hard to disagree with that description so they're critically acclaimed new album is called this means war and was released in march this year the album was mixed at parlor studios by neil haynes in northampton england and is available on all digital platforms the single that you just heard there was cold-blooded murder and i like what they said about it if we don't rebuild our balance with nature nature will rebuild its own balance on our bones so be sure to check that out on YouTube along with their Bandcamp page which actually had only one CD left of the album and it is officially sold out now because I bought the last copy. I want to give a big shout out to Thomas on bass, Sean on guitar, Frank on lead vocals, Simon on guitar and Niall on drums. Uh, thanks for submitting the track to the show lads and hopefully We'll see you all on the road in 2021. Right, on to the main interview itself. It's one that myself and Howard of Partalon and the Magnapina did with Owen of 100-Year-Old Man. Hailing from Leeds, 100-Year-Old Man play a mixture of post-metal, doom, sludge and drone music. Owen Pegg, Dan Rochester, Argyle and Tom Wright formed the core of the band initially. And since the release of their incredible debut, Breaching, at the end of April 2018, they are regarded as one of the most exciting post-metal bands around. Enjoy the interview, everybody, and please take the time to subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Metal Cell. Hello, this is Richie from The Metal Cell Podcast. I am delighted to welcome Owen from 100-Year-Old Man. How are you, man? Hello. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. And Howard, <laughs> co-host, cohort. And he's wearing the t-shirt as well, man. Respect. How are you doing, Richie? We're all good. We're all good on this beautiful sunny day. Um, Owen is up in Scotland. Yes, taking advantage of the bank holiday. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. It's a bank holiday over there, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Although you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know it, but it is. <laughs> um, have you actually... You've probably toured a fair bit up in Scotland, Owen, have you? Uh, a little bit, not as much as uh, we'd have liked. Uh, right. we've, been, uh, we've been up here a, a few times, um, but, but uh, only, only recently, only in the last couple of years. Um, you know, the usual Edinburgh, Glasgow, we've been up to Aberdeen. Um, that's about it, really. We were due to play a festival uh, in May. Um, up in Edinburgh, which has been put off till next year. What one was that? It's the um, what's it called now? It's Red Crust. Oh but yeah, 
Yeah, um, I think it was the f- I think it was the first time he's done like more than one day. Possibly, it's quite. I think it was a big deal. So he's just. Yeah, I think most of the bands have moved over. There's a brilliant scene um, in Scotland. Um, I don't know. Do you follow it much? Uh, I mean, historic. Like back in the day, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we used to, uh, my old band used to play up there quite a bit, um, and I knew uh, guys from uh, Black Sun and um, and Zilla and that. Um, so we played with them a few times, but uh, in all honesty, fairly out of touch. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're sort of just starting to dip our toe back in, as I say, in the last last sort of eighteen months or so. Mm. Uh, yeah, we've had uh, we've had King Rich over a couple of times. They've done a yeah. maybe three or four shows here at the stage. They're great, uh, those guys. Yeah, great guys. Yeah, and Laura's got some some voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know, one of those things where it fills the room. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a brilliant album they released there as well. Yeah, yeah, the last one. Yeah, again, it's it's such a risk, isn't it, releasing an album into a void and not knowing, not being able to tour it or anything like that. It's something that yeah. every band probably have to consider now. You're in that same boat now, Howard, aren't you? We are, and uh, with uh, with the Magna Pina and Paratlone, both bands, um, we have a, an album done in the final stages of mixing at the moment, and. We're kind of not in any rush to put it out at this stage mm. because we can't really follow it up at shows. You know, it does yeah. give a good a good spread to get some press done, maybe get some reviews in and things like that. But ultimately, that has to lead somewhere. And currently, that doesn't seem to be leading anywhere. Mm. So, yeah, a lot of people are left sitting on things, yeah. wondering what to do. It's, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult problem to figure out. And it's only been six months since this thing kicked off. So it's a very short amount of time, too. So I think everybody's still learning and figuring out what, what is best to do going forward. No one really knows. What about Geo and as a band? Uh, is it a topic of conversation with you? Yeah, I, I mean, similar situation, really. We, um, we, tracked, uh, we started tracking a new album last year. Um, and then in true 100-year-old man style, uh, things happened <laughs> that meant that we had to put it on hold for a bit. Um, and then... Um, now we're sort of in a situation with COVID where we can take as much time as we want to to get it done. It's very, it's pretty much there, um, but we're not in any rush to put it out. Not under these these conditions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we. I think I think the plan currently is to is to yeah just make use of this extra time that we've been given to make sure that we've. We've, we've done the best job we can. Um, we've, we've booked some more studio time now um, to, to sort of finish up a few bits and pieces. Uh, but we've also written some new material. So, um, you know, more more things to put in the pot um, to go towards the album. So I think we're, yeah, we're probably looking at next year, you know, yeah. but whenever this, whenever we can tour again, um, that'd be when we're looking to release. As a band then, would you have set aside a certain budget for videos on the back of maybe touring or merchandise and sales? So is that is that budget there for you now, we'd say to make maybe two or three videos for songs that are coming further down the line, you know, rather than wasting a few months just... Yeah, not- it gives us... Yeah, I mean, that, those these are all things that we're talking about now. I mean, mm. we've had a bit of a... Um, for version one of the album, if you like, we had a, an idea of what was going to be the lead single. 
um, and you know, and, and sort of when we won a tour and all that kind of stuff. So we'd started talking about the financials and uh, and obviously the people's holiday from work and and things like that to to promote it. But all that's now not really um, not really relevant anymore. So yeah, absolutely talking about music videos and um you know now we've now we're a bit further into the recording process with it all and and um pretty much in the mixing stage with some of it it's um you can start to sort of see things and get ideas and um and we don't have to rush to to try and get things done so we can proper chew things over and we've got a big whatsapp chat that everyone just spews ideas in all the time for (laughs) various things from music videos to Pornography. Stocking and flocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Locking> and flocking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Who are you actually working with, Owen? Are you able to tell us? Uh, in, in, for the record? Yeah. So um, we're relatively sticking with the same plan. Uh, as the first record, so we're, we're self-produced um, for the most part. Uh, we have brought in an engineer um, for some of the sessions. Uh, it's a guy called Tom Goodall from Leeds, who's uh, involved in a lot of the, the Leeds music scene. Um, got a lot of mutual friends, and he's worked on a lot of records that we like, like local bands. So he's been helping us out. Um, it's quite a it's quite a more complex, bigger record than the first one so we we definitely needed that help but um for the most part we're we're sort of doing it ourselves um we have got someone slated to mix it as well um with us um sort of take the helm whereas we did mix the first one ourselves and Mm. went bald and went gray very quickly trying to do that so we won't be doing that again (laughs) but you any uh, kind of um interest in doing that howard yeah, I mean, I, but I think ultimately what it leads to is realizing that you need someone else to do it for you. And I think you probably have to go through that process of trying to figure it out yourself to realize that um, you can be too close to things. And it's sometimes you need an impartial party to put a bit of sense on it and kind of say, look, you know, if you want to get it done and done right, let's do it this way rather than the way that you're dreaming up in your head. Um it, it depends on the band, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I think ultimately it always leads to that. You need someone to give you a hand. Yeah. You, know? um, you released Ascension. Wasn't it true, the COVID-19 pandemic as a remix? Uh, it was, yeah. It was, <laughs> Re-record uh, or remix, whatever. Yeah, it was, it was basically um, because we, we had a, our singer up from the first uh, EP and album, he left the band um, in, well, 2018 now, so quite a while ago. Um, and we still haven't actually released anything with our current vocalist. Um, but he, he's been a long-time friend and, and contributor to the band. He, he actually sang on the, uh, on the original album version of Ascension, but doing the backing vocals. All right. So um, we just, because we had nothing else to do, uh, we we re-recorded the song from scratch, and everyone shot their parts, filmed it um, separately at home, and um, so yeah, it was it was kind of a we got the original vocalist back as well, so it's kind of dual vocals, um, and it was sort of almost like a passing of the torch, I suppose. Hmm. And um, Angela jumped in as well. 
Yeah, Angela, she's a long-time friend. Uh, I used to be, I used to play with her in a band called Asana Missa, who are um, on the same label uh, as us, and uh, her other band, um, Tomorrow We Sail, are also on Giza. So we, we sort of known each other for quite a long time. And uh, at the time of recording, she was my lodger. <laughs> always helps <laughs> it was uh it was very easy to uh to ask her and obviously she uh, she had all, all her touring and everything had been cancelled so it was uh kind of something to do <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it made it i mean yeah it, it was kind of it started off as um there's a there's a horn section um that uh the other guitarist tom um played some french horn on the arm version and so we thought, oh, we'll get it, get somebody else to do that part, but with a different instrument. And then that obviously suggested Angela. So it started off as just do it with a viola at the beginning. And then it, she ended up just doing the whole song, making it sound absolutely humongous. Cool. So, yeah. We, we listen to a clip of it here, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Let's do it.
That sounds so huge, the production on it. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> just, just listening to that there now again, I mean, it just instantly, you can, you can feel that sort of wave of emotion from the times we played shows together. You know, that, that initial buzz of being it for the first time live. Um, so, yeah, by the way, we're back in that place. It's fucking great. Mm. We were really surprised how well it came out, to be honest. It was... Uh, quite challenging not, not everyone was um set up to record you know some some of the guys had to learn how to record you know <laughs> uh, um and then you know send me the the files and i kind of put it all back together again in 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 the computer in my studio at home but uh, i'm really really surprised at how easy it came together it was actually you know i was expecting to have to spend a really long time polishing things <laughs> it all just slotted together really nicely so and how did um, Oliver Shalito come into it then? He uh, is a friend of our singer. Uh, he's a guy from Manchester. He's worked with him with other projects. Um, I think they did like a thrash album together or something. Um, very different genre. And he's uh, he just helped us out um, with mostly with um, production um, and um, polishing the mix for me. Mm. Um, just to the master element, but he's uh, yeah, he's 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 a long time collaborator collaborator of our with our singer. Yeah, do you think last year's show that you did the one-off show that was um, breaching did that help with the recording of this? Uh, it didn't because we didn't play that song. <laughs> yeah, but just the crew being back together and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, the conversation, that, that was a, a strange show. Uh, it was just, it was um, a number of things happened that meant that people who were currently in the band couldn't do it. And then it sort of just felt like, well, you know, we, we, we ended up having to get um, our original vocalist back. And then we just thought, well, let's make it a thing and, and record it. So we we took some gear down and, and tracked it and obviously got the original bassist back. And mm. um, yeah, that was, that was, that was good. It was uh, only a couple of rehearsals and then it was sort of like, you know, back in the, back in the early days, back before we released an album. Yeah. Is it what you think, Howard? Is it good to get ex-band members back for once-offs? It Could you see who the ex member yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you see Five Will Die doing something like that? Uh, well, well, we all finished on pretty good terms with Five Will Die, and mm. it would be fun to do things together again. But I don't think there's any appetite for that, you know. Um, but I, I think with a band like Hundred Year Old Man, you do fluctuate in terms of members all the time, and it's it's a credit to you you keep going. But I can certainly see how ex-members would catch up with things again as, as you go through different stages of what you're doing. I mean, it makes perfect sense to have ex-members come back in and do things because I, I feel like if you're a member of 100-Year-Old Man, you're kind of always going to be a member of 100-Year-Old Man. <laughs> you know? That's that's very true for some people. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we still uh, we still work with Paul, our original vocalist. He does still does a lot of artwork for us. 
Um, and obviously Aaron's filled in on bass a few times. So it's, mm. uh, and there's been other things, there's been other shows and things where we've, where it's almost happened before mm. and we've been able to work things out. So we sort of, anyone that's ever either filled in or permanently for a period of time been in the band, everyone's kind of, you know, as long as, as, long as it, it ends well, which it, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, there's, there's always that, you know, we always keep that dialogue open. And, and as you say, what, once you join the band, you, you don't really leave. You might, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're kind of on standby. And, um, yeah, you just go on the, go on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> what were your memories of Ireland when you toured it? Was it last oh. year? Was it? It was. Was it? <laughs> yeah, we've been over, been over a couple of times. A couple of times, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, Monolith. It's... We'll talk about the Monolith one, I suppose. That tour he played Dublin, Belfast, Cork, and Limerick. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, the sh- the shows over there are always great fun. Um, we always love coming over, um, and that was, <laughs> yeah, there was some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's 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 always it's always good fun. Um, we'll always really enjoy it, and always you know, always make new friends as well. That's the thing. You go over, you play a show. You um, we've been trying to play Belfast. We've been trying to play Belfast for, since we started because we used to play there in, in mine and Tom's old band, um, and um, and just going over there and you know seeing old faces but then you just you always you always make new friends in Ireland always uh, <laughs> so that, that's great and we're a persistent uh, bunch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll chase it down yeah. to the fucking down to the bar come on <laughs> yeah yeah there's a, a lot of uh, bar action shall we say <laughs> yeah there was, a, there was a lot of drinks taken in, in uh, no. <laughs> both rounds you're over <laughs> had you much yeah. time to see them, Howard, when you, you were working Monolith that day, weren't you? You were like yeah. ferrying. I, I took the I took the time. Yeah. <laughs> I took the, I took the 40 minutes to, to come and watch. Uh, mm. fuck it, I, there's, I just, you know, I'm a big fan of Hunter Droll, man. Like yeah. I said to you when, you, when you asked me last time, Richie, who are three bands you go on tour with in the morning? Hunter Droll, man, at the top of the list, you know. Mm. Um, you're just a fantastic find, a fucking great band. Love watching you play live. Even watching you set up is a fucking treat. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not sure it's if, like watching, sure if that's sarcasm. It's like Tetris, you know? Just watching the lads just put everything in the right place at the right time and there's no fucking around and it's one, two, three, four, off you go. I fucking love it. It's a pleasure to watch. <laughs> it can be yeah, it can be quite challenging. <laughs> yeah, especially with the amount of members and gear. <laughs> yeah, six people, everyone's got gear. Even our singer's got a pedal board, so Yeah. It's uh yeah. It can be quite challenging, but, we- but uh, yeah, I remember you played up in the the jam rooms. We in in Blackpool here. We did a, a live stream. That's and, right. Uh, yeah, myself and Ed were watching you put your stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to fuck, we 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 felt like giving a round of applause when when you're finished setting up. Like it's just, it was so textbook. <laughs> Anybody with OCD, I'd recommend go watch it or you know those oddly satisfying videos on YouTube. <laughs> Fucking go watch Hundred Year Man set up. Jesus Christ. Well, our um, yeah, the, Tom, the the other guitarist, he's uh, a retired professional sound engineer and guitar. Yeah, yeah, all the same mm. of it. <laughs> what you think you think us setting up is good? You should watch him pack a van. It's 
Oh, that's a whole different level of professionalism. <laughs> that that guy can uh, that guy can pack a van like you wouldn't believe. It's, oh, I'll have, I'll have to get a private show to them. <laughs> in our uh, in our old band, we had a lot more gear, believe it or not, or a lot more cabs anyway. Uh, and there were three guitarists with full guitar stacks. So there was literally, and, and we, both Tom and I had keyboards and all sorts of stuff. It was way too much stuff. And there was literally only one way of getting everything in the van. Um, and it was called Sweatress. Uh, <laughs> and only Tom knew how to do it. <laughs> it was, uh, we were all just stood around waiting for Tom to show us where to put things every night. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a skill. Yeah, I came across C in um, Bloodstock, would you believe, on? Oh, great, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> myself, and, myself and Sean from Tenton Slug, mm. we were watching it. It was great. And um, you then you, you went from the new Blood stage, did you go then to the Sophie stage the following year, was it? That's Almost right, yeah. We, two years yeah, in a row, like, that's very unusual. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's happened a couple of times, maybe, but it's not, it's not common. No. Uh, yeah, we, we were obviously as surprised as most people <laughs> expect to be being asked to come back, but uh, absolutely loved it. Um, and it, yeah. it, couldn't be, it couldn't be more different. You know, the, mm. the I mean, Blood stage was, uh, is a great opportunity um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but opening the whole festival on the Sophie stage was sort of a, Definitely a what the f moment. Yeah, <laughs> all of us. Um, and we t- we took it was the first time we uh, we actually took some crew. Um, we took a guy to do lights for us, um, who also did lights for us at the Damnation Festival as well. Um, that was a huge yeah plus. Yeah, makes a big difference yeah. in someone that, someone who knows the band as well. He's uh, uh, yeah. Tom used to play in a band called Baal. Um, and he's he's seen us play lots of times. He knew the songs really well, so he was able to build lighting and uh, design the lighting that would fit go really well. Although he did break the lighting desk. <laughs> <laughs> Is it something that you think about quite often, Norm? Because um, it was one of the things that struck me when I saw you on the tour was uh, you had your own lighting system on stage, which was very basic and very simple, but so effective. Yeah, yeah, it's something. I mean, from pretty much from the first show, uh, mm. we had we actually had uh, mine and Tom's old band. We had um, a similar setup. Um, we had some lights and a, and, a, and some foot switches to turn them on and off. Um, so we kind of just naturally took that idea into Hundred Year Old Man, where actually it was a lot more um, effective uh, given the type of music. So we've mm. that that idea that the the sort of the, the switching lights has always been a, a thing there from from the beginning. But um, obviously for us as a as a, a relatively small band, you do what you can, do you? And you know if you play clubs, it's generally you know a couple of work lights and a foot switch. Does a smoke machine yeah, and a smoke <laughs> machine. Yeah, that was that was yeah, that man. was a pretty I'm good inv- investment. <laughs> Yeah, we're actually at a point now where we get quite upset when we can't use the smoke machine. <laughs> Turn up at a venue and we're not allowed. It's quite disappointing. Yeah, I've never seen so much smoke as I saw in the Siege of Limerick that time. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just, it was obscene. Disappeared. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we, in, uh, in the, when we did the Damnation Festival in Leeds, um, we told the guy um, who was in charge of the smoke machine that there was no such thing as too much smoke. <laughs> um, and then, then when we got all the, the videos, we you know, people oh, thought, no. come, came back and couldn't even see the band. It was just Fuck. like a haze of smoke pouring off the front of the stage. Filming fog, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. What about the name? Where did the name come from, Owen? For those that don't know much about the band and how did you start? Um, there's a lot of debate as to where we first came up with the name. Um, but the the first time that we, when we decided on it, we had, we had a couple of names kicking about um, for a while. And um, one of the, when we started, um, we were a three piece, we recorded a record um, as the three piece. And then we started writing, we decided we wanted to expand the band and bring in other musicians. So we, when we started writing, the first thing we wrote with the idea of being more than three piece was Black Fire. Mm. And there's a sample that we put in Black Fire um, which is uh, a, a gentleman uh, called Harry Smith, who was giving a speech at a labor conference. Um, and he talked about being nearly a hundred years old. So that was kind of like, it's a bit on the nose, but um, we kind of thought, well, it's a memorable thing. It's a memorable name. And I remember the, at the same time or, or roughly the same time, I think the, uh, the book. Yeah. Uh, the man. man you climbed up window that's that, a great that book. come out so yeah it, we're not it's not i don't think it's anything it was just this it kept like 100 year old man just kept kind of coming up and then we'd be like oh, i don't know suggest something else and then in the end it was like well we want to put something out so we'll just stick with that and it makes sense because there's that sample mm. yeah cool and songwriting for yourself in predictor do you find the best just to leave things happen organically or do you try and sometimes force an idea through i wouldn't say we ever force ideas we we have we ha we have a, a a a number of different ways of writing um mm -hmm. in the band and it's generally um in a computer um so we used to uh we used to uh, play electric kit uh, guitars into pods into into a computer and then just to a metronome and chop up ideas and someone would come along with a riff and we'd you know jam through it um and chop it up in a computer and then once we'd arranged the song then we'd go away and start trying to play it in a room okay um, that was when we were sort of renting rehearsal rooms by the hour so it made more sense to go in prepared um but now we've got our own space uh, and we've got a studio set up in the practice room so everything's amped up uh, mic'd up and um we just record as we play so things are a bit more organic now yeah. um so we can sort of you know let things happen naturally but um we do we do try and we do try and focus on writing when we're writing so we don't we tend to say this is a writing session or this is a rehearsal session um but that's about as forceful as like as we get with it really it's mm. um, we don't we don't try and we certainly don't say i want to write a song about this topic or i want a song that does this or does that it's it is um it is fairly natural and just let songs go where 
where they need to go, I guess. Mm. Um, room to breathe. The, I mean, the other thing with us is that because we've had so many people come and go, anyone that's in the room can contribute. So even when people aren't necessarily, you know, long-term members of the band, if they're there and they've got an instrument in their hand, they're happy to, um, then, you know, they can, they can contribute. So we've, we've got, you know, on the first record, there's collaborations on this new record. There's uh, there's a number of collaborations that we've done as well. Um, so, yeah. Does, does I, think I, that's, I think I've got some uh, sneaky footage of you guys singing along to Magnapina up in the jam rooms as well. Uh, oh. <laughs> I think you're all grabbed the mic each and we had a bit of a sing song. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that online? That's, it's, it's on a SD card somewhere. I must oh, drag man. that out. <laughs> Good luck with trying to find that amongst the other oh. million and one things you've kept on SD. A terabyte, Richie. A terabyte of data. Man related to footage of the Magnapena doing stupid yeah. things. Were you on one of the podcasts, Howard, when I just brought it up that Irish bands don't seem to collaborate enough? How would you feel about that, you know? Uh, you're probably correct, Richie. Um, but at the same time, I, I think Cork is a very similar scene to Leeds in that it's a bit inbred in that you'll find one or two members of bands or in a lot of bands. Yeah, cross-pollination. You know, <laughs> cross-pollination. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it's, it's not a collaboration, but it's definitely a, a crossover, a blending into things. But collaboration, yeah, uh, you don't really see much of it at all, really, do you? No, I'd love to see it. Not I'd love to see it happen immediately, you know. Mm. It'd be interesting, yeah. yeah I, I can see it happening with the Magnapina for sure, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I think that'd be prime candidate for it, get a horn section in. Um, we've collaborated with uh, two ladies, uh, Martina and Marie. Uh, on the album with Magnapina, and it's it's a big part of it actually. So mm. I guess you could call that a collaboration. Oh yeah, Giren, Giren as well. Jesus Christ, yeah. I mean, there's a song on the Giren album. I think half a cork is on the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now what do think of it? You know, Owen, it's one of the best albums ever, but it still hasn't been released. But yeah, <laughs> still oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Everybody heard has it. heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nobody has it. <laughs> I've got a couple of those on a hard drive at home. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think God. I might release it myself at this stage, Richie. I have it in a, in a Google Go Drive. On, yeah. Go on, yeah. Put it out as a release. I'll promote it like mad. <laughs> <laughs> so a song like uh, Rhea, is that how I pronounce it? R-E-I? Ray, Ray. Ray, yeah. yeah. Okay, Ray. You literally came up with that. Was it on the day itself? A uh, couple, like, couple of hours. Yeah, and so that was completely different to your normal kind of writing process. So could you see... The benefits of doing that as well absolutely yeah i think we um i mean there's 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 stuff uh on the the new record um where you know i i i almost brought a whole song um to the band and you know one evening sat down with the guitar and by the end of the evening i'd written a song and uh, you know took it to the band and we played around with it a little bit structures and things but but it was it was mostly there and and ray was was pretty similar uh tom and and our drummer at the time steve he was uh they just they were jamming we were in the middle of recording breaching so we were recording um and then we just you know found the bits that made sense and stuck it all together and that was pretty much a song so song. yeah absolutely we're, we we like i say we're not we're not we don't um 
we don't overly, you know, overly scrutinize everything. If something works, it works and we don't, we don't question it. So yeah, there's, there's some songs that take months and months and months and months and, and, and then don't even end up on the record they were being written for. And then other things just happen yeah. really quickly. What about the album art? Uh, how important is it in relation to the matching of the teams and emotions of the music? The artwork is, uh, the, that's a big question um, because we haven't really done anything um, that sort of, we, we've kind of had an idea from the beginning that we've kind of stuck to um, and we're trying to move away from that now. So at the moment we've got a big folder uh, in a shared drive and everyone just- You're not gonna go rainbows and unicorns, for example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no rules. So anything goes uh, until we find what, what we're looking for. But, but we had a, you know, for the first record, we had a, a very a fixed vision of what we yeah. wanted. Um, and that sort of dictated the, the artwork for the first, first couple of releases um and that 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 sort of vision came from the vocalist who was on those those recordings um obviously we were involved in that but uh it was it was very much his idea it's a bit of a different process than uh, just drawing a squid richie isn't it yeah just i was gonna <laughs> throw, throw it out to you there as an artist yourself <laughs> you know, put a few um, bits of bread over it there's your fucking album cover you know <laughs> bit of garnish put it on the beach <laughs> <laughs> but as an artist yourself Howard like I've said that to you before I mean are your especially with Partelon the songs mm. are, are they in any way related to the art or the, is it vice versa yeah. yeah for sure I mean I, I think I said this before mm. about just constantly flashing different imagery in your head as you're playing the songs and things um, yeah. and trying to capture one of those in your mind's eye I guess and uh make a mental record of it and try to articulate it on paper. It's, yeah, it's, it's it, with, with part alone, yeah, I mean, it's a constant thing. It changes all the time, but there's there's always a, an element of a theme going through it, I guess. Mm. But what that is, is difficult to articulate it. And I think that's why you need the music, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a big part of it. Maybe not, maybe a bigger part than it seems. But uh, I think with bands like Part Law and 100 Year Old Man and, and bands of that ilk, the art does become Reflect. very important and it yeah. does become an important part of the story. And it's just an extra layer to, is, to what you're trying to achieve with things. But uh, then you go to the Magna Pina and you draw a squid and put it between two bits of bread and you call it art. So, I mean, <laughs> horses for courses, I guess. Yeah, very much so. Especially... Yeah, go on, go on. As you say, you, you know, you know, you just know when it's right, don't you? You, you, you do, and, and that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. And it whatever, is, it's about trying band. to capture that moment and trying to capture that, that sort of um, atmosphere about something in an image, which is very difficult, but you're right. You know it. Like, when you, when you see it, you know it. Mm. I mean, I, I remember the first time I saw the artwork for Breaching, uh, mm. It was it was immediate. You know, we we'd we'd gone through, I don't know, fifty, sixty photographs. We we had the, the scheme, but we didn't fab the photos and we went through all these different photographs. And then yeah. just like a friend of a friend had this photo. It it 
you know, and as soon as we all saw it, every the whole band were just like, that's it. Yeah. That, that's mad. And the thing about that, that artwork in particular is just how it was sort of coincidental or just sort of, I don't know, it came out of nowhere. It, it wasn't meant to match. And then it fucking fit together like a glove. Yeah. You know, the stairs and the 100-year-old man logo yeah. over it. I mean, you can't account for that. That just kind of came out of fucking thin air and makes yeah. perfect and sense was, that would be it, you know? Then there was the, the nerve-wracking mum sort of few days where we were wondering whether we were going to get the rights to the photo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, of course. It was, yeah. You know, it was uh, somebody sent some examples of their photography. So we didn't know if we could use it. We didn't know if it had already been sold or, or anything. So we were, yeah, yeah. We were at that. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that was meant to be somehow, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know, butterfly effect stuff. Yeah, because of course you are also thinking as well, how well will that image work on a T-shirt or on um, a long sleeve? Yeah. You know, there's there's that whole side to it as well. That's um, right. I think that That's often right. is an afterthought. Uh, I think when you're thinking of t-shirt and merchandise and so on, I think it's, it's a wrong way to go about things. If you come up with an image that fits and you're thinking I can't use this because it wouldn't look well in merch. I think it's a secondary thing, you know, generally yeah. I try to do, I try, we try to do our merch different than the album artwork or something a little bit more suited to the t-shirt medium, I guess, mm. you know, yes, it's, it's a different thought process. It took us two, two years basically to actually put that image on a t-shirt. Mm. Um, um, we've still only put it on a long sleeve. Yeah, yeah. We, but we knew. I mean, you know, we know we knew it would work. We knew we could do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do. You do know if it would work in March, but uh, I suppose it isn't a, a deal breaker. You know. Yeah. No. Especially when it's so important as well for bands to to get money in as well. Um, yeah, there's certain there's certain bands that stand out a country mile for their merch alone. Yeah, Ten Ton Slugger think are a great example of it. Their fucking merch is yeah. great. Yeah. And you know, there's 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 a good few. Grey Stag as well. There, you Grey know, Stag, yeah. Yeah. These are Irish bands. Um like ugh, for ye own, how how do you gauge how well your merch is doing? Is it like just through online sales or through gigs or is it a mixture of both? Um it's a mixture of both, really. Mm. We uh, we did we did a um, experiment with sort of uh, selling through other shops online um, and obviously you know letting other people sort of manage our merch if you like. Um, yeah. We've moved it all back onto our own Bandcamp page now, so that's that's where all our physicals go for merch and music. Um, so you know when you're active it does well when you release new music, it does well when you kind of haven't released anything for a while, it's, you know, ticks over. Um, we, we always, <clears throat> we always kind of put more emphasis on, on the shows for merch. So we, you know, we try when we know we're going to do another run of shows, we'll try and do a new merch design, a new t-shirt. Yeah. Um, so we, we've got some designs that were supposed to be for, shows we were going to be doing this year that we're um, debating whether to just put them out uh, or whether we, we hang fire until we're actually doing things again. Um, but um, I mean, you know, yeah. sometimes, you, sometimes you do something and you think it's a cool idea and it doesn't do very well. And then other times you do something 
like the the t-shirt design we did for the for bloodstock um was a bit of a a tongue-in-cheek bit of a joke play on the the doom uh artwork and it it sold like wildfire (laughs) and it it just kept selling so we we kept printing it cool um it was it was it was always meant to be a little bit of a kind of like cheesy like you know joke but it tends to be the merch that does better i mean 10 tons look i've done something similar too they had the the horror poster stuff for bloodstock i think it was oh yeah, yeah. Brilliant. the thing sold like fucking hotcakes and mm. then you yeah. know you spend a year doing a design <laughs> and no one fucking buys it you know? <laughs> that's that's right <laughs> and then the 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 forest tea that you are wearing howard it's yeah that's you know that was the second second design we ever did and we're still selling it now so yeah um and we still, we're not bored of it yet. I think, I think when, when we get bored of putting it out on the merch table, that's when things tend to get retired. <laughs> but more than, more than any other genre, the heavy metal genre for T-shirt sales must just knock the shit out of anything else that's out there. Yeah, I mean, it's 30% of a band's day, I guess. You know, any band that comes mm. and plays a big show, 30% of their fee is on, a, on their merch. It's, it's huge mm. in, 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 this, in this kind of environment i guess but you know yeah. yourself richie every gig you go to you pick up a t-shirt you haven't yeah. got it already yeah it's like absolutely. it's like vinyl i guess you know that's another side of it it's the kind of music where people will collect vinyl it's all i don't know i think it's a demographic that uh that listens to yeah. this kind of music yeah months uh, support like, they put their money behind it <laughs> basically like flying into into yeah. a light bulb like looking for merch and <laughs> things to collect Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> thanks for sending on the nice clips of the Partland vinyl as well. I'm still trying to oh, figure yes. out what colour I will go for, but <laughs> there's a yeah, colour scheme uh, in the studio upstairs now, and I'm just trying to <laughs> maximising profits. <laughs> <laughs> Sell three of the same thing in a different colour, you know. <laughs> That's it. When when are you going to announce that that sale? Actually, oh. yeah. Well, it's, we have it already. I mean, it, yeah. it's arrived. It's been here over a week now, and okay. it's looking great. Very happy with it. Um, so what we're doing at the moment is we're just building a bit of press around it, and um, I reckon about maybe three to four weeks time, we'll be we'll be putting it up for sale. But it's all That's... we could do in the in the pandemic. It was something we we were thinking about doing anyway. We were hoping to do it in conjunction with a new album, mm. but obviously things happened, and that hasn't happened. So we've, we're releasing a limited number of 300, I think it is, uh, three different colors, uh, purple, green, and then there's a, a mixed splatter. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what we're at at the moment, you know. It's nice, to, it's nice to have it in our hands, but um, it looks great. Exactly, yeah. And look, I have the CD, but will I get the vinyl? Of course I will. It's course a no-brainer. <laughs> you know what I mean? But will you get three, Richie? <laughs> Ooh. I, have, I actually didn't colors. think about that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be at a very reasonable price, too. You know, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not looking for a massive profit on it. It really is something we just wanted to do for ourselves in the time that we had recently, not being yeah. able to do new stuff. So we're not going to flat either. We're going to put it out at a very reasonable price. Are you one of those people on vinyl obsessive? I probably sit somewhere in the middle. Mm. I, I definitely um, I like to buy I like to buy records from bands that I like personally. Yes, same. Yeah. So I I have you know I, I do tend to buy vinyl with from bands that I play with. 
Um, there are only a handful of bands that I will collect these days, um, <laughs> just simply because I don't have the space. Um, uh, particularly, I mean, vinyl takes up a huge amount of space. Um, Unless you're collecting cassettes. Yeah. Yeah, so I do, I do, I do have a few cassettes. Yeah, they don't take up much room and they look nice. So yeah, yeah. And so you have a release on cassette, don't you? Yeah, we've done. Uh, we've collaborated with um, with a record label who do cassettes. So we've done uh, a re-release of Ray at EP and uh, Breaching with extra tra- both with extra tracks. Nice. Just uh, you know because <laughs> they contacted us and uh you know i like cassettes so we just thought well, we'll give it a spin um and see what happens so they seem pretty happy with them and they look cool so we yeah. had to do yeah like again i have a cassette player you know i always make sure that they're in the house along with probably three video players as well that will refuse yeah. to be dumped you well, know? if you've got 500 quid richie you can buy yourself a bargain Go to bandcamp.com and uh, there's a... I throw the ball up and he hits it every time. (laughs) You're one of the few people with a VHS. We can do you three VHSs in three different colors if you like. (laughs) Uh, Blue plastic, red plastic, you know. One's going to be pink though. You have to have a pink plastic one. I think that's... uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it with alongside um, what's it, dirt, my dirty dancing uh, video cassette. Yeah, <laughs> the perfect place for it. <laughs> and tango on cash. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man, we were spoiled back in them days, lads. Yeah, I remember renting uh, videos out of the back of a, a guy's tie, or was it one of those hatchbacks? You know, yeah, I used to pull up and pull back the blankets, and you get two videos <laughs> for a fiver. You know? <laughs> You know, you'd be watching lines baiting through it. Oh, yeah. Tracking race, Fucking you know? tracking, yeah. Pause, <laughs> tracking, yeah. Jesus Christ. They don't, I tell you, they now. were, yeah, we had the best of times, man. You know, <laughs> fucking spooling those cassettes. Yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. Listening to your Walkman and the batteries going in it and the song uh, sounds yeah. slower. And you're thinking, that sounds better slower. <laughs> <laughs> Many a riff has come from a slow fucking cassette tape, you know. <laughs> Many a shit cassette had sellotape put over it and re-recorded over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! So, um, uh, has the process of for yourself uh, changed much from, we'll say, you write music back back in your bedroom to what you're doing now? Has it changed much? I mean, it changes all the time for me. Um, I, I I try and spend a decent amount of time in my studio every week, so I'm I'm constantly trying new ideas and you know trying to start with different instruments and things like that. Um, I'm not, especially with hundred year old man, I'm not always a hundred percent sure it's going to be hundred year old man when I start it, um, and things kind of gradually go in a certain direction. I mean, I started. I started like a lot of people probably my age did with a, you know, a Tascam cassette four track. Um, and then I, I moved on to one with a hard drive in it, but it was basically the same principles. Um, and now I have, you know, Pro Tools and all the rest of it. So <clears throat> the process for me 
I suppose the only thing that hasn't really changed is that I, I write while I record. I don't, I'm not one of these people that sits down with a guitar and a piece of paper and a pen and writes a song and then goes and records it. Everything is the same process for me. So I'm, I'm recording while I'm writing or I'm writing while I'm recording. Um, and I kind of, that's kind of my approach in, in everything that I do, not just, not just in hundred year old man, but then because hundred year old man is a, is a collaborative environment, people come to it in different ways. So, mm. you know, we've, We've got we've got guys in the band now who are there with their sheet music and their <laughs> writing their bass lines and their keyboard parts out. And there you go. Jesus, yeah, it, ha- it happens to the best of us, uh, all, you know. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, it's good. It's good to have that, like, you know. Ah, for sure, it's for change sure. Up you know. And uh, you realize you've been speaking the wrong language for fucking 20 years when people come in with their sheet music and, you know, you're fucking punching the guitar with your fist. <laughs> Breaking them That's strings. Right. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Do you do, what kind of process do you go through, Howard? Do you, re- it, you don't? Much, much different than, than yeah. Owen's. Um, but with, with Owen saying there, we, we did a lot of that with the Magnapina release, the recent, the Squid Sandwich one. That was more the, the process that we used. It was my first time doing it that way. Um, I found it very effective, but I, I I don't think it would marry well with with the part one stuff. I think the part no. with part long, I write it on acoustic guitar all the time. Okay, That's where it starts, yeah, right. everything starts in acoustic guitar and voice. Just just that. Um, uh, for want of a better way of describing it, is just to be as vulnerable as possible with mm-hmm. yourself, and just to see if I'm not going to take the piss out of myself and break myself down over what it sounds like. Then, you know, I'm onto something good. So it, it starts from breaking it down to its bare bones and building it from there and presenting it and, and getting everybody else to contribute to it. And, and are, you recording, to it. are you recording that as you're playing acoustically or is it just you have to work through it a few times and then record that acoustic? It depends. Um, if I am recording it, it'll just be onto my phone. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, Owen uh, knows what this is like as well. When you write something that you're happy with, you never forget it. It's not a matter that you need to go back and play it back to see what you were doing. Uh, for me, anyway, uh, you play it, you know it, and you never forget it. And, and that's kind of part of my process as well, I guess. If, if something I'm not really remembering or connecting with instantly, I rarely revisit, you know? Mm. You know, you write a song and six months later, it's still there. You haven't really, it hasn't really gone away. So yeah, that's a big part of the process. Yeah. So it's a pain in the ass, Richie. <laughs> songs for fucking Parrot alone. <laughs> it's exhausting, you know. But uh, it, it, it's necessary, I think. I think for what we're trying to achieve, it's it needs to start at that point. It's so, very rare. I've gone in and had a riff, and we've just built it from the floor up in the moment. It's yeah. something usually that I've spent a few weeks with, getting comfortable with myself with it, and then being comfortable enough to present it to somebody else. So you what need, was, I need that fear. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll ask both of you then. So what was the best advice you were given in relation to music? Don't be shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best advice I've ever, ever gotten. Uh, <laughs> yeah, carry it to this day. Try not to be shit. <laughs> we'll give it that. Can you name I'll give you one guess, Richie. Plays drums and he's got his fucking glasses. <laughs> okay. What about you, Owen? Did anyone actually take your side at any stage and just go? I've had so much advice over the years. It would be hard to, uh, 
to pick one really i suppose the 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 best advice that i gave myself was that if it's boring to play then it's probably boring to listen to (laughs) yeah that's good that is good advice i I wish more bands would take notice of that (laughs) you get get three months get three months into to rehearsing something and you can't be bothered to play that song anymore yeah group <laughs> fucking hell don't waste time recording it yeah that said we've had we've had in uh, we've had fights internally where people have wanted to bin things off because they don't like it mm. so it doesn't always apply but yeah I think as a group it does yeah, if I, you... I think it's more you learn as a go Richie in terms of advice it's, it, you just you just you just learn hmm the more the better you get at it, the more you see other people doing it and you pick up tips and tricks from just watching people and playing with people and seeing how they present themselves on stage, see how people react to it. You know, know what, there's, know there's so much a... to just learn by being at the gig. Yeah, and to know what as well, um, I think, I don't know, I hope you'll confirm it as well, Owen, but just in the scene in general in Ireland, there's a great kind of community and as Howard was saying there even you could go up to another band and go well what did you do there what effect are you using there you know there's no kind of secrecy about it they'll share whatever it, yeah you know, I, I, I think that's a universal thing mm. uh, certainly in the sort of the scenes that that we both play in uh, for sure you, you get approached wherever you are you know you we played a couple of shows in uh, Sweden and Denmark and, you know, band were really shy. Their English wasn't amazing, but you could talk about gear with them. And they were, you know, as soon as you came off stage, they were, you know, how, what was that? What, what, what pedal were you using there? What does that pedal do? And yeah. <laughs> like, then you become friends afterwards. <laughs> it's such a, a regular feature of playing in, gear, <laughs> really in these circles is talking about gear and, and it's just part of it, isn't it? It's Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's the great thing about the Irish scene anyway, um, that I've noticed that that people will always help each other out in relation yeah. to even borrowing gear as well. And, you know, God knows yourself, Howard, how many times have you jumped in and helped, say, Con, even ferrying bands around, you know? Ah, yeah, we all help you out. I mean, yeah. the only way it's going to work mm. is it's such a... It's it's such a big thing to take on by yourself, you know. And I, I, you know, Con is great for doing it, but everybody needs a bit of help. Everyone needs a hand, you know. And it's easy to shit on people, but you know, we're a very close community here in Cork, from what I see, from what I know, and the bands that are playing, particularly in the last couple of years, it wasn't always like that. I'd say not. I'd but say in not. the last maybe four to five years, there's been a re- there has been a real change. I think everybody that's been in it as long as I have. Certainly, it's in the conversation about how things are like that now, mm. because it really wasn't always like that. There, you know, the early '90s, mid '90s, coming up to the '90s, the scene was just so fractured; it was just ridiculous. You know, bands refusing to play with each other because of who a person was or some ridiculous reason that made no sense. You know, tribalism, I guess. But as as time has gone on. We all know what we're trying to do, I guess, and we're all in it together. And it's 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 essential to have everybody help each other out. Exactly. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to hit a fucking brick wall and go back to the way it was, which wasn't good. You can see the results. You can see the results For now. Sure. On. For sure. For mm. sure. Yeah, I mean, we 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 always get really really well looked after over there. Always. Um, 
Yeah. You're handsome boys as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, gear, gear problems, people helping you get gear on stage, helping you get gear off stage, you know, things go wrong, guitars break. Someone's there already before you even have to put your hand up, you know. Yeah. Which isn't all. Which isn't the case everywhere. That's, that is no, it's not. And and I guess there's still a bit of that in the UK where you, some gigs yeah. you're taking a chance with it in terms of who you're playing with and who you're playing for. It doesn't seem to be that here at the moment. It seems every gig is at a certain level of cooperation and uh, <laughs> collaboration. I guess that's yeah. working. There's very few gigs that are happening that you're going to be ripped off in or you're going to be sold out the door. You know. Yeah, it happens, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to give you one last one there, Owen. Um, out of all the songs that you've wrote and put the record, that if you had, we'll say, an unlimited budget to make a video for, which song would it be? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a not, good question, Richie. Not, not, not for the band, no, you, your opinion. My opinion. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a track uh, that's going to be on the new record that's uh, the longest <laughs> that we've, we've done. Uh, Jesus, it, okay. it was it was clocking in at about twenty minutes, <laughs> um, which it definitely won't be that long. But so no, qualify for the Cannes Festival with that, like you know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd pick that one just so that I could make a short film. <laughs> Have you got a title uh, on it? No. Uh, no, we don't actually. It's a working title at the moment. I think there's uh It's possibly going to be called Hone, um, mm. because our singer likes that title at the moment, and no one can think of it. <laughs> okay, so we'd say you've got your twenty-minute epic. Who would you get to direct it? Again, unlimited budget. Unlimited budget. Um, Michael Mann. Ah, okay. Very good. Those are great, great questions, Richie. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if he's ever done a music video. So I, I mean, but yeah, he, he's ever, still alive anyway. That's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael Mann of didn't he start off with Miami Vice? Uh, yeah, yeah, he did uh, Miami Vice. He did Crime Story. Uh, yeah, two shows in the eighties, both very good. If you mm. like, I think. Um, Howard, man, Miami Voice, <laughs> you and me, what you reckon? <laughs> I reckon we've got, we've got the right tone for it anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Loafers and, uh, and, and linen, linen jackets for a hundred years. I think we'll yeah. have to use Nissan Micros though, Richie. I think that's, that's the limit of our budget, you know? <laughs> I've got two in the drive there. The one each will be fine. Yeah, a tannin studio and a fucking shelter somewhere <laughs> to keep the rain off us. <laughs> oh my god! So, Owen, listen, thanks a million for coming on the show, man. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure, man. It's great to see you again. Yeah, see. and hopefully we'll see you on the shores next year at some stage with the lads. Yeah, God, fingers crossed. It's, it's going to happen. Where where myself and Owen have been talking already before, and we're. Yeah. We're going to make something happen in some way, shape, or form as soon as we fucking Brilliant. Okay. So you've been listening to Owen and Howard. Thanks again, lads, for joining me on The Metal Cell. Take care. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers.